0: Hello and welcome to the Me and My Golf podcast. And guess what? We've got another amazing special guest. We've had a good old uh, chuckle to ourselves before we press the record button here with a private joke, which you may hear about later. But we have a very special guest. As I say, we've got Chris Trot, Trotty Golf, our good friend who works at TaylorMade on the PGA Tour, and he fits basically the best golfers in the world. How are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. Good morning, gents. Good, good, morning. Morning. good evening. Obviously, we understand that we've got about 50 minutes to get this podcast done, and we've probably got about five hours worth of questions, and you know what the three of us are like when we start talking, so we will do our best to get through this the best we can, and the whole purpose for us really is, you obviously are one of the top five fitters in the world in our opinion, okay? Mm -hmm. You're the only one we know, but you are one of the top five fitters in the world for sure. So what we wanted to do is to pick your brains with as many questions as we get asked about fitting, just so anyone listening to this can get some amazing value that can help them with their club selections or their current equipment. And I I just think, Andy, we just get loads of questions on this, so this is going to be really good, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And I think what we'd like to do, Trotty, is just go through the whole bag, because I know you've got a lot of experience on, on everything, really, with these best players, but also... Um, how that's going to relate to the the amateur golfer, because obviously that's our audience. We want to provide the value for them and help them understand really what they can do to improve their setup and their makeup in their bag. So let's kick off with the driver and what are the important things that amateurs need to get right? And I would say, what are the things that you see that golfers are missing out on when you when they've got drivers? So
2: I mean, obviously, first off, out the gate, very kind of you to say that, and I think that. When it comes to fitters and it comes to tour, I think the, the the five names that would be your top five are people, obviously, that you know um, or you hear of through the industry or who work on tour. And working with a tour player massively validates what we're all doing. Having the name on the front of my cap here, you guys are wearing it too. It's validation that you can get clubs in play with the best players in the world. But a fitting on tour, specifically with driver, can be Wednesday afternoon of a major because the driver's cracked, because drivers do have a lifespan, especially if people that follow you are out there, range rats hitting tons of golf balls that are hard golf balls on the range because they have to be hard compression and a hard casing in order to survive getting picked up in the ball picker. Maybe it's Northeast America or UK at times when it freezes over. The golf ball has to survive being out on the range all night, so it's very hard. Then we get on the driving range and we hit them and they crack. Well, it happens to tour players too. So I appreciate you saying that. Obviously, there are other fitters out there, I think, that come at it from an angle that they've got every company available to them. Um, Or in my scenario, a great challenge is when you're going up against reps from other companies because the player isn't contracted and you get them in the product that way. But Fitting and drivers, the one thing I would press to people and I try and educate this through, if you look at your videos and you look at how to fix a slice or you delve into it, then the reasons as to how you fix a slice and the five tips that many great YouTube coaches and golf coaches go through, um, give yourself space, try not to be steep, fix the grip. Well, the add-on to that, is that within that driver that you've bought from hopefully TaylorMade, but even some of the other companies who have now gone into a loft sleeve variation, which will change lie angle and it will change face angle, it's going to help you reduce a slice. If you're someone with not much speed because you're not turning your body as efficiently as you should and you're losing it to the right because your strike is slightly heel side or because the loft you have, is too little for you, therefore you squeeze and help it up and you chicken wing, which I've seen on your videos, and you don't release the club correctly, well, the sixth tip, or it would, in my opinion, it would come before point number six, but you need to adjust that driver, you need to get into that loft sleeve, understand what it is, if you've got a sim, there's movable weight, which is another technology that TaylorMade pioneered, you need to change that. And you need to have the confidence as an amateur. And trust me, tour players don't have it either, which is why I think social media has been brilliant to educate people. But adjust it, change it, experience what it is. You've got a tour truck in your pocket when you have the wrench that comes with tailor-made. And you must understand, use it, and change it. And I think, obviously, if we're going to go through the bag, appreciate there's more than just me here talking, but three wood, you get golfers that rip three wood. Like I had a text message two weeks ago from an amateur friend of mine, good player. I hit my three wood, amazing. Do I need to A, get a mini driver, B, set my driver up like my three wood, or C, get more loft or change tee height? Tee height impacts it because, as we all know, when you look at videos on tutorial stuff, again, which I think I know I've covered, I don't know if you've covered it, but tee height changes how subconsciously a player will deliver the golf ball. Absolutely. And if you if you're standing there and you've got trouble down the left, we'll tee that thing down because that's going to promote a slightly steeper swing. It's going to promote you to cover it a bit more. It's going to promote the heel a bit earlier, which is going to give you the squeeze down the left that peels into the middle of the fairway. Worst case scenario, right rough, but you're not picking another ball out of your
1: bag and teeing it again because you've hit one in the, you know, trouble down the left. And the cabbage down the left, yeah, for sure. So what would you so- say then? What would you say? What would you say then, Trotty, that when you see amateur golfers, where are they where are they missing out on? What are they not taking advantage of with the with the technology that's available?
2: Amateur golfers are getting into driver way too quickly. But point number one. Amateur amateur golfers are getting too consumed with having a golf shaft that you spend so much time as an amateur, I see it all the time with gearheads. What shaft? Shaft this, shaft that, shaft, shaft, shaft. Like again. Mm-hmm delving into YouTube stuff and people asking questions. Shaft, shaft, shaft. The shaft impacts the feel. That's what it does. And when it impacts the feel, much like if you adjust the tee height, you as a golfer and it doesn't, I don't care if someone listening to this is off 25 handicap, they will react to the shaft, the way in which it feels. Then they will deliver a different dynamic loft at impact due to the way that shaft feels. But we could go one step further than that because I'm stood here doing this to the camera, the grip plays a huge role in that too. Because if you've got a grip that's too fat, too thin, uh, you know, the cord doesn't feel good or the texture is wrong, all of a sudden you can't get the positions you want, just how you put your hands on the grip and then how you release it. And then there's another thing which gets a little bit further down the line, but it would be swing weight, which is the balance point of a golf club. And it moves around a 14-inch fulcrum point from the bottom of the golf club. All that's fancy terms, but it's basically the balance of that club. And if you change the balance by changing the grip or changing the shaft or changing the length, and you just fanny about because your buddy said, here's a golf shaft. That thing unclips, it clips, shove it in, change it, do this, do that. You change the whole characteristics of the golf club. Therefore, you're not working with apples versus apples. And now you've got a change straight away that could help you, it could not. But you've started down the maze of things that you're making changes. And once you make changes, you're no longer going back to your me and my golf video with the same equipment you were using the week before. So when you haven't broken 80 or broken 90 or broken 100 or whatever your goal is, or you haven't worked in those five tips for the slice, if you've made a change with your golf club, you've you've gone further away from what you're trying to achieve anyway you have to make changes that are calculated it's like keeping a food diary it's like keeping a daily diary of where your emotions are it's like keeping a working a workout routine you don't i'm not a huge workout guy but you don't go to the gym and do arms every day of the week (laughs) just like you don't go and change something with the setup you've been using that's been giving you gains for whatever you're working towards, you don't then go and make a change. It's the same thing with golf equipment, but the golf industry needs to educate people, which is why I think there's such a market for people listening to what we're talking about and now starting to understand. And also they don't want engineers telling them or sometimes even product designers because people don't want someone to just be selling them one thing, just be selling them tailor-made only talk about that and that's i think one of the things go out test golf clubs i can guarantee you that taylor made as a brand will be in your final two choices even if it's not a good fit but on the same note if another company works for you and the fitter decides that that's the route you're going to go down so be it but if you're with a great fitter who's got taylor made written on the front of their hat i think you'll be walking out with a taylor made driver just Mm -hmm. because that technology can evolve with you as a player as you get your lessons and as you develop.
1: Yeah. So I think it's safe to say then Trotty as well. I'm glad you covered the shaft there because that was the next question is that most people are obsessed with that thinking it's the be all and end all. The shaft isn't gonna make that much of an impact on the performance. It's more of a feel thing. I know it will impact it a little bit, but the technology that's in the head with the loft sleeve and the weights is gonna have a much bigger impact on helping somebody eradicate or not eradicate, but complement their ball flight.
2: The shaft is a great add on piece, though, as well. And let's face it, let's talk in real human terms. There are people out there that, if you've got a fancy, flashy golf shaft, you feel like you're going to hit it better. To yeah. be honest, there are.
1: Pierce is talking about you there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, they want it to, like Dustin Johnson, for example, loves to have the right. The, 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 he's used the same golf shaft for years. It's a Core golf shaft, but it, he loves the graphics on it. And this sounds daft, but. He is so caught up in clean graphics and that thing looking perfect. If you truly look at Dustin, everything's perfect. The shirt is always perfect, the clothes, the trousers, the golf bag. And he's one who doesn't mess around with limited edition head covers. When we go to majors, it has to be the right color to match what he's into. So he's one. Darren Clark was another. You couldn't give Darren Clark Larry golf shafts. And even the company that he used in the day was Aldila. And they made the top of it black because it had to be... Something that wouldn't distract him. So that's getting into a graphics point of view. Like I tested a shaft this last week. I like it. It's a speed of 6.61. I'm driving the ball pretty good. The stats show I'm driving it pretty good. But much like every golf consumer out there, golfer out there, I still want to try it. You know, after this call, I'm going to nip to the tour truck that's at TaylorMade. I'm going to build that thing, tip it, cut it, and I'm going to take it and play golf with it this afternoon, which is a crazy idea because I want to play well. But I'm going against everything I'm suggesting now truth is I'm a bit more experienced now as a golfer and I might not put it in when it counts. So I probably won't play it this afternoon, but I'm saying that it's the excitement of a new product and the golf industry is about that. And that's why the golf industry is great right now. So I'm not hating on golf shafts. I think if you've got a love affair for them, then try them because they are slightly all different. It's a bit like if you have a cup of coffee and you put almond milk in it versus whole milk versus oat milk. It's going to affect the way it tastes slightly. Drink it black. I mean, there's options. It's personal preference. Sometimes we get a bonus at work and we want to buy a golf shaft. If you want to, do it. But you will find, and this is gospel, you never really move away. A golf shaft has a profile, has an EI profile, which is how they measure the butt section. Then they measure the mid-tip section. Then they measure the tip. People would talk about high-kick point, low-kick point, mid-kick point. You're talking this much difference. You're talking three inches. So the, you will never play – if Piers Ward plays a high-kick, stiff-tip golf shaft, and he's played it since he was a kid, then I'll go and give him a fitting. But the first thing I'm doing when I walk into that fitting is, okay, this guy's got uh, – I know Piers like that T1100 Project X golf shaft, very stiff, crowbar-type, stiff-tip. I never, when I fit Piers – try and move away from that too far because the truth is once we walk away from the fitting he's got to go and play with that i might not be playing golf with him the next week all of a sudden i'm not a good fitter because i've gone miles away now i know from fitting andy andy is placed i think a bit more golf than you peers potentially hit or hits more balls than you've had <laughs> definitely at the moment. <laughs> but the point is i know from history having played golf with both the two of you over a long period of time andy back in the day used to have a ping driver that had quite a soft tip golf shaft in it andy's then moved as time's gone on into more of a firmer tip than that ping and he's had some success with it but the truth is if you can start to play with andy's speed and delivery which is quite unique probably for your listener because andy's a great golfer good hitter of the golf ball strikes the same place consistently but if you can get into something that's a bit softer he can then start to turn it over which then turn it over move it right to left then means you can reduce some spin which then means you can get some more launch because of the way he's delivering it if you put less Loft on the blade, you'll get more speed. That's a battle that Rory McIlroy always has. He wants to play little loft so he can get speed to the golf ball. Because if you're playing six degrees versus 10, you'll deliver more speed. Tommy Fleetwood plays hardly any loft, delivers a lot of speed. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is minor changes, know the player. I feel like Andy, we can get away with going a bit softer and move that a bit further. But Piers, when I play with you, I know you like to hit cut that starts down the left especially if you're under the pump it's always a cut that starts down the left and that little one you play you shape it the other way as well but you don't want it to overturn so you always like to know where the tip is so that's why you have it very stiff probably things that you guys didn't even think of didn't even know but when i'm playing golf with you or when i'm fitting either of you i know the full picture now the challenge that a fitter has or the, the listener has going into a fitting you need to get all that information across in maybe an hour fitting with the consumer yeah so you've got to ask and again fitters need to be educated you've got to ask a lot of questions you've got to ask the right questions you've got to let that person if they want to try a ust link because it's purple let them try the link but if it's not right for them have the confidence to throw something else in that gets them in that area and i think that kind of Hammers down shafts. I think you've got to keep people in the family of where they like the feel of, because it is feel. But then I think you've got to look to do, because if you change the degree of loft on the head, you'll have a lot more impact than if you're trying to change someone who's moving the club and feeling the delivery. But the only thing that makes me skeptical on iron shafts is when I go down the list, and I I looked at an article from Golf WRX the other day, and it was top 10 um, proximity to the whole irons, and it was the iron shafts they play. Dynamic Gold X100 still is the majority of the golf shafts played in the top 10 guys proximity to the hole. That says a lot. The Modus shaft was in there, the Nippon, but you know I look at that as a good player, and I'm thinking, geez, X1 has been out since the 80s. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
2: And it makes you think. Now, my job, obviously, is to question everything, and I've got a new set of golf shafts in there from Project X that I'm going to try, but they're coming at it from a history of making the best steel shafts in the game. But I'm telling you now, if someone takes some golf shafts and they don't have the right head weight, which impacts the swing weight, or they put mid-sized grips on or cord grips on when they've had a regular grip on there, all the last five minutes of this podcast goes out the window. Yeah, of course. are then changing everything. Yeah. And that's, so my conclusion would be, Don't make big changes. Don't just go and buy a new golf shaft because emotionally you think you want the flashy thing that you've seen Rory McIlroy using or whatever it may be, which, for the record, he's using a Kuro which is, or a Tensei golf shaft. He flips between the two. One of them's a little bit stiffer than the other one. So guess what? When he's playing well, his confidence is up, he's absolutely flushing the thing. He's in the Tensei. And when he's not feeling it, he's going back to the comfort blanket, of a Kurokage, which is a two or three-year-old golf shaft, which I'm sure Mitsubishi sit there and a bit like, geez, you know, we want to discontinue this golf shaft, but we've got the best driver of the golf ball, arguably in the world, playing it. It's like Dustin Johnson. He uses a speeder shaft that he flips between Ventus Black, which is today current, and an old golf shaft they make that, you know, tour spec type deal that is seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. They get frustrated when they walk on and they try and change John Rahm. John Rahm uses an Aldila NV. I think the AT version or the AV version that they have. I mean, the fact that I can't fully remember the name of <laughs> the shaft is, and that's my point. You've got the best drivers of the golf ball, only making minor changes. Now, are there gains to be made? Yes. And we face a scenario, certainly with Martin Keimer when we saw him a lot more. We still speak. To, I still speak to Martin. Good player. Good guy. Very reluctant to change. Yeah. Very reluctant to change. He won't
0: even change his golf shoes.
2: Correct. (laughs) But the gains you see with Martin when you make the changes are significant. And we've had to have that conversation with him. I mean, he changed uh He put a UST recoil in his three and four iron to get more launch. And it was night and day. Night and day the launch difference between that and the X 100s that he played before then we got into X 100 AMTs again, same family slightly different launch but same family, you know what I mean and then he he got a high toe wedge at the players sawgrass, anyone listening to this who's been there, Florida, the grass is very thick, difficult to chip the high toe wedge has a lot of mass high in the blade, Martin gets that, looks at me and literally says he's a traditionalist when it comes to golf clubs and he's like what the what, what are you giving me this what what is this? And I'm just like, trust me. You you've seen the rough out here. Trust me. Goes and plays 18 holes. This is really good to be there.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Tell me, Martin. I know, I know you. I know what you like. You yeah. just gotta get over the hurdle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the that's the thing. You see it there with players like yourselves and Kymer and even the person listening. You've, there's a there's a boundary with clubs you've got to get over. We all have to be open to trying new technology. But on the same note, we all have to believe in ourselves that the decisions we've made to get us on our journey to this point actually have been beneficial. And that's why we're at this point. Now, occasionally, yeah, you have to go down a rabbit hole. And it, we see it in day-to-day life. Try something else. Try and do something different. Go and work on that. But ultimately you got this far by doing what you've done to this point is yeah. where well
0: that makes sense. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get through this because we've got something to go through. We're only on, we've just done That's taken us 20 minutes. So let's see what we've got here on these. <laughs> so we've got now that we've found out that all you're doing is playing around with some shafts and going playing golf. We've got three hours. Come on, let's go, <laughs> but let's go into fairway metals and hybrids because this is obviously crucial for golfers. So I would say that the biggest issue that I have, and I know Andy's the same, someone will turn up for a lesson and they've got a collection of fairway metals and hybrids, and some of them are doing the same job. And there's a job that isn't being done by the fact that gapping is just all wrong. And the biggest one for me is a golfer trying to hit a three wood off the ground is actually very difficult. And they're much better off for a five wood, but simplest way you can How should someone go about gapping their fairway metals other than getting a fitting?
2: Golf course. What golf course do you play? What do you... I I can't preach this enough and may be victim to what I've just answered. I only know three forms of keeping statistics. One is pen and paper, which I did when I was about 15. Two was CD-ROM that I was given that was Stroke Saver. I don't know if anyone listening remembers Stroke Saver. They made... CD or CD-ROM or something yeah. with one floppy disk. That's the second one, and the third one, because I basically hadn't played golf for over a decade. and Now I'm big time getting back into it. Is my round pro, mm. which is tailor made platform. I'm going to leave it there. I don't want this to become a my round pro pitch. But if people are keeping their statistics, much like the food diary, much like the gym workout routine, much like the daily diaries. You then have a 30-day benchmark, much like a whoop watch, much like iPhone, iWatches, whatever. You're gonna have a 30-day benchmark that is gonna tell you, if you play golf three times in 30 days, that that three wood that you're carrying is no good because you'll have kept stats on it or it's good. The next thing you got to decide, do you want a second cannon off the tee, which is what John Rahm does. He has driver, which goes really far. And then he has three-wood that goes pretty far. That's the way he does it. Then he puts in a five-wood, changes it for golf courses that he plays on. Are you able to hit a three-wood off? Are you weak with driver? So, therefore, you need a three-wood. Maybe drop the driver first off. And then, you know, that's how I'd start the process. What are you looking for? Because the stats will tell you from the every shot count books and from our analytics people, driver far down there, 15 yards further on than your three-wood in the rough, is going to give you a better chance of making birdie than if you are first cut of rough, than if you are middle stripe and 15 yards further back, hitting two clubs more every single day as a whole. So you, I don't think you need, if you reach a level, and you can hit driver and you can hit three-wood pretty good, Don't you don't need a strong three-wood. You need a strong three-wood if you can't hit the driver. If you're a bad driver, yeah. Yeah. Then it moves into five-wood, seven-wood, and that's where I base it on golf moss. So, for example, I carry, when I play a short golf course around here with my buddies and we've only got a limited time to go play it, I carry four wedges because I'm not a great wedge player. And then I I have a huge gap between three iron and three wood because there's no tee shots there or second shots where I need two iron, one iron, hybrid, five wood, four. I don't need it. And then when I go and play other courses, if the wind is a certain direction and I get in the parking lot before car park and I'm like, okay, I need That hole number 10, which is pointing this way, the prevailing wind is off the ocean, I'm gonna need five wood. So then I take the three wood out and put the five wood in. So you're making these decisions all the time, and then I can throw in a 54 degree wedge and then drop two wedges. But golf course where you play is the simplest answer as to choosing your bag setup. Obviously then your level of play, if you cannot hit the driver, leave the damn driver in the car, just take the strong three wood, and then really, if you get super good at dealing with golf equipment and really understand it, take a sim five wood, they have the loft sleeve on it, turn it all the way stronger. Now you've got a forward that can do many things. Yeah. And that almost is the way to go. Obviously, rescues, sim max rescue in there, it's a fantastic club. I think, especially if someone doesn't have the speed to get the golf ball up in the air, but some golfers do have speed, and they go left. And that becomes a challenge. But where this transitions nicely into, which is certainly something for anyone listening who's maybe a Southern California-based person or they're in the South in the US and you have the grain in the grass or you have Cukuya, or you play lynx golf in the UK, lies get very tight. I would push people then to just go out with those four or five different three woods and five woods and rescues that they've got, go to the chipping green and start to putt with all of them from the fringe, start and then go five yards back and give yourself some nasty lies and start to see how that five wood, rescue and three wood, you might have to arm lock it because obviously they're 43, 43 and a half inch golf shaft on a USGA ruler, but start to hit pots and stuff with it. All of a sudden you can gain a wedge. And then it's like, well, that three wood I've got is fantastic for chipping yeah. from two yards away. When I want to pot it, there's too much rough, that can make a decision. And you have to think about it as a rounded set of tools. All the answers are there when you watch the golf and watch on the TV. Why's Tiger Woods pull that three wood to pop from off the green? Why's Justin Rose do it? Because obviously a good tool to have. I mean, they're giving you the answers. And it's not really that difficult to stand there, lock a three-wood against your hand like this, and do this with your shoulders. I mean, we could make a YouTube video on that, and there you go, job done. Two minutes, job done.
0: Subscribe, follow me and my doctor. <laughs> hey andy that's seven minutes let's cut him off and go
1: into irons yeah let's go <laughs> we've got to wait for a pause right Great
0: stuff
1: though, mate. hi everyone andy here just letting you know about something that we've created just for you me and my is our membership platform that we believe is the best resource out there to improve your golf and one of the questions that we get asked all the time is what's the difference between youtube and the website and the main difference being is that sometimes people can get lost content on YouTube and not really having a clear structure or plan of where to go. So we wanted to create something that was was really going to help golfers. We've got over a thousand uh, coaching videos on there but our main thing or main feature on there are the coaching plans and we've seen some amazing results from these plans. And these are basically carefully designed plans on all areas of the game so you don't have to think or worry about what to do. We tell you exactly what to practice each week and whether you're looking to break a certain score fix a slice, improve your putting or short game, we have a plan that will suit you. We're even staggered at some of the results that golfers are getting from these as well. And we even have a private Facebook group where all of our members go and share experiences and support each other. Real nice place, positive place to be. And we'd love to see you over there and have the chance to help you with your game. So make sure you head over to meandmygolf.com and check out your free trial with no obligations to join. Check it out and see if you can find a plan and become a part of this amazing community. Okay, right. Let's get into some irons then. So one of the things that we, our golfers and our students always ask us Trotty is, um, I want a in, but should I go for one now? I'm not quite, I don't feel I'm quite ready. Is there a point where you think, um, don't go for a fitting, keep working at your game? Or do you think that people should, who are thinking that should just go and get a fitting and, 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 and get done?
2: If you've never bought a proper set of golf clubs by the leading manufacturers in the game and you can get the golf ball off the ground and you're hitting the grooves, you need to go for a fitting. Simple as that. If you are north of six foot, I'd suggest you go for a fitting before you even get going. And likewise, if you're smaller than five foot five, I suggest you go for a fitting before you even get started. Now, before the (laughs) joke... LAUGHTER I'm referring to, gentlemen, people of my height and also junior golfers. That is something I'm very passionate about. One and the same. There are great junior golf clubs out there, brilliant junior golf clubs out there, but I am telling you that they have to be light. that whole swing weight thing we've been talking about the whole way through this. These things need what's called a dead weight, which is when you physically pick them up, and swing weight to be so light. And they also need super skinny grips on them and just not too long because at the end of the day, you know, you see the kids and they're, they're going make great golf swings, but it doesn't stop. I mean, I can't even get there until the thing is like all the way around there. And the fact that kids then, some of these great kids you see around golf clubs from over here somewhere, return the club and then hit the center of the blade is just all credit. To the talent that they clearly are showing for the game, there's a lesson for all of us in there that don't get caught up in this, this, this. Just hit it, have fun. But I think that with the kids, they've got to seek out some fitting advice, or you know, the websites that sell the US kids stuff and things like. That. I'm talking from a really young age. Yeah. They're pretty, they're pretty thorough. Um, but it's something I'm super passionate about. Now the problem you have then is you are realistically buying clubs for kids every 12, 15 months as they grow. But you know, that is what we're dealing with. Um, Then when it gets into being really tall, you've got to go the other way. You need a fitting. But if you're going to the range, you're keen to go to the range. If you're watching me and my golf videos, if you find yourself diving into YouTube to become a better player, and you're starting to ask yourself, should I be having a fitting? The answer is yeah. If you're asking the question, then yes, you should be at the fitting.
1: There we go, that's the answer. Uh, do you know what, I'm just talking about the kids stuff as well, obviously you posted something the other day with Jacob ripping a driver over the ditch and he had that long swing as well, so it just shows, doesn't it?
2: And, and the thing is on that, when buying those golf clubs, I got the irons um, uh, actual like below the length he needed and I got the woods upper length, well on the length he needed. And they're still, you can see they're still too heavy. But at the end of the day, you, you, you need the, the massive speed as well. And kids are like all of us. They like to hit the golf ball a long way. And if you look at Rory McIlroy's clubs, again, going back to swing weights, it's measured in numbers and letters. Letter first, then the number. Rory will play a D7 swing weight. To give someone an idea of that, D7 would have been what Darren Clark would play. Huge guy. Uh, Tom Weiskopf. Tom Tom Watson. Ben Hogan, Jack Nicklaus, going back to Persimmon when things were heavier. Weisskopf, I measured his stuff. It was heavier when I met him. He's a great American player years gone by. But these people all use heavy mass in the head. Then these days, there was a spell that players would go as light as D1, D2. That would be five to six swing weights, which is going to be 10 to 12 grams less weight in the head. So 10 to 12 grams, for those of you weigh out a bag of sugar or know what the weight of something is and and know what 10 to 12 12 grams feels like, that's a difference in mass that Rory's got from, you know, uh, uh, what us amateurs are playing. Now, simple physics, trust me, I I would flirt with the girls in physics rather than listen to the teacher. But one of the things I did remember is mass equals speed, right? And if you've got more mass hitting a golf ball, you're going to have more speed. So try and move towards as heavy as you can. But obviously there's a trade-off. And with the juniors, the trade-off is the thing that gets so heavy. And then, you know, that can be really challenging for, I've got a daughter as well. And like she struggles to hit the ball the way my son does because my son has a bit more athletic ability when it comes to hitting the ball. So rather than she be put off by golf, I keep her in clubs that are shorter, lighter, and she has more success. It's everyone. Like everyone, gets that feeling when they feel strong. The body's turning well. The club feels light as a feather. And that, if you can get that with a heavy swing weight at golf club, and you're looking for speed, that's how you'll get it. I guarantee you, Rory doesn't feel that his driver's D seven. He just feels that thing turns coils, hits,
1: boom. Perfect. Pierce, yeah. I think we should move on to the wedges just so we can get Indeed. everything in. I want to get to these, these followers questions as yeah, well, which are obviously sure. good for sure.
0: Just to just add a, just a special note on here as well. Trotty had an A plus when it came to physics. So uh, he obviously wasn't very good at flirting with the girls. Uh, so let's go wedges. I have one question only on the wedges because it's the most common question. How important is it to get the correct bounce? How do you answer
2: this? <laughs> yeah. People need to understand what bounce is first and that before it is if you can't control the low point you shouldn't be asking this question chipping is all about controlling the low point you know obviously we have a radius without getting super complicated but you've got a low point all right and that low point for me is obviously underneath the left arm that's my arm is straightest okay and let's imagine we were chipping with straight arms and when you move the ball around and you leave the hand position there, you can then create lower, higher, all based on where that low point goes and where the strike of the club is. But that's assuming that I'm striking the middle of the golf club every time. And you will see as you practice forward in the stance gives a higher chip, middle in the stance, give the mid one and back in the stance, give a low one all with the same golf club. Now, When you then change the position of the club into the turf, you are changing the bounce that is hitting the turf. Okay, that's point number one. So you'll be hitting off the back foot, the leading edge, off the middle, the middle, and off the front, the back, in its simplest terms. Then if you change the face angle, then grip the golf club so the blade goes open, you reveal a different part of the bounce. This all goes out the window if you cannot control the low point. Simple as that. So if you're a golfer and you're not good enough to control the low point, just buy the standard bounce. Or if you're one step behind that and you're a beginner, buy the largest flange sole. So uh, we make a big foot wedge that has a really wide sole on it, buy it. Because the truth is, you probably don't have the confidence to stand there and lay the loft open. Which, by the way, when you lay the loft open before you go and hit your bunker shots and whatever, you are then revealing all of the soul into the sand, which creates a pocket under the ball to get the ball out. If you don't do that, you won't get the ball out of the trap anyway. So if all these things I'm saying are alien to you, you need to buy the standard bounce and trust the engineers that what they've provided for you and made. And work on gaining those things. Now, bounce, when you truly become great, it's effectively a bubble underneath the sole. So it would be like a camber that goes from leading edge to sole of the wedge. When you're truly good and you start to chip with soft arms and you start to move the big muscles of the body, you will start to hear and feel the wedge go through the turf. The bounce will push back and it will come out. A bit like a kid jumping on, or anyone jumping on a bouncy castle, the bounce gives back from the bouncy castle. The turf becomes the bouncy castle and the bounce, no matter how far down you push it, gives back. So think about that. If you play on hard links type turf, hard as this table, you need to consider less bounce. If you play on thick, wet Northeast America, sometimes the Midlands, Uh, north of England, Ireland, Scotland, USA, Kukuya, grainy grass, consider more bounce. Then get in the bunkers, consider bouncing the bunkers. Then obviously where you need that, if the bunkers are thick and deep, links, more bounce. If the bunkers are not often raked or bare, less bounce. But if you cannot control the low point, then, to be honest with you, stick with standard bounce and learn to control the low point. Because yeah. until you do that, you got no hope. It, I, and I hate to break it, but that is how it is.
0: Love it. Simple, simple stuff. That's all me, for Andy, for the uh, for the wedges. I just wanted to ask that one question, so you can go into putting. Putting. I've okay, we're getting
1: we're getting through it. We got ten minutes left. Okay, Trotty, face balance, toe hang. Can you help educate the listeners? around that and from what you've seen and what you've fitted with do you see that there is is this more of a personal preference or do you see that because there's been a lot of talk about well this you know the toe hang going to suit a, a you know more arc stroke and face balance more square to square do you see this or is this more of a personal preference on on what the the individual likes the the feel of obviously as well as the results
2: i've been working on something i'm wondering if i should go and get it and show it you but basically, I probably I won't because it's not it's in it's in production. So I'm am but I'm going to talk about it, which I probably shouldn't do anyway. But I'm going to. <laughs> basically, I went on a path about twelve months ago to get an understanding on tour, who plays face balance, who plays toe hang, who goes plumber's neck, which is. Let's talk in our general. It's a ping answer neck. I don't care what anyone says. Someone might be, it's a Scotty Cameron Newport neck. It's a Soto from TaylorMade. It's the plumber's neck. It's, that's yeah. exactly what it is. Um, who plays that? And all these hoddles will give you a different toe hang. A face balance will be flat. The plumbers will be in the middle. And a short slant, which is on the spider tour, will be the maximum toe hang. Now, there's a flow neck in there, which is similar to plumbers, which is like a long flowing neck, gooseneck, long. So who plays what and why do they play it? And for me, I found a correlation between eye position over the ball. So if the eyes are directly over the golf ball, let's go back a step. I found a correlation between left and right eye dominance first. So obviously the simple test that if you hold up the hand someone, you're obviously 5,000 miles away from me, whatever, but I can tell you I'm right-eye dominant. Um, that then would tie into, a bit like Jordan Spieth, how my axis of my eyes, Spieth puts like this. I'm a bit the same. Nicholas was like this.
0: Yeah. Now, anyone who's left-eye... Right ear closer to the left, uh, right ear closer to the right shoulder if that's, uh, if you're not watching this. Correct, yeah, yeah.
2: And then anyone then, like I found left-eye dominant guys, Alex Norrin, Shane Lowry, Just again, asking round would get their eye over the golf ball much easier. And they'd also be that Fitzpatrick, left eye over the golf ball. And he was a bit of an outlier because anyone who was left eye over the ball tended to be face balanced. And anyone who was left eye dominant like Fitzy has so much toe hang. It's a joke. And he was using the toe hang putter. He's a great putter. But what I found is is that anyone who's right was getting more and more right eye dominant, and the head was getting inside the path of the ball, tended to use more toe hang, and anyone who was bordering towards neutral or at the front, like I had no one using a face balanced putter if their eye was inside the ball and back. Basically, they were all using toe hang, which would make complete sense because at the end of the day you're then wanting to release the potter, And toe hang gives you release. Um, so that's how I would go about without seeing somebody. That's how I would go about trying to get them fit. I'd be like, what do- eye dominance are you? Most people can tell you that. Do you like your eyes inside the ball? Or with a mirror, you can tell us that. Do you like your eye over the ball or behind it and back? And that would then start me on the path of, okay, this could be the putter toe hang that I will put you into. Now, there are putter coaches out there who will talk hocus-pocus magic and all that and then tell me that I'm completely wrong. But you know what? I'm going off asking a pool of players that I believe are the best putters in the game. And I'm seeing, uh, other than Matthew Fitzpatrick, I'm seeing the same thing coming out from player to player. I'm having the conversation. I'm hearing the same thing. So I look at the my spider website and i think that my i think spider is a great product i really do i think it helps so many people and i appreciate i've got tailor made written on my hat but i think that putter is gay it's as game-changing as a ping answer was it's as game-changing as a, an odyssey two ball was it's the it's been the next one in terms of this is the benchmark and why do so many people on tour gravitate towards the short hustle on that putter and the simple reason is the guys playing it have their eyes inside the ball and back a little bit, and usually are right eye dominant. But if you're left eye dominant, I think you can get away with picking. You have a wider option to choose from. And I hate the fact that people go into a PGA golf store or wherever they go and they basically just get the potter, pick it up on the carpet, take a 12 foot putt, which you probably have. If you know your analytics, a 47, is it? Or 37% chance? Of, 12 yep. to 15 feet, I think, is 37% chance. They got 37% chance of making that putt anyway. And now you're going to stand there and start wafting it down the green. Just completely wrong and could be in the wrong putter. And length dictates all of this as well. You need to get stacked. You need to get your ankles and your knees and your hip bones and part of your vertebrae, all in a good spot and all aligned and get it all stacked like a foundation of a house. And when your hands fall into the middle of your thigh, well, that's the length of putter you need to be playing. And if you're playing longer, you then start to manipulate. Now, you might be like, I have a slight scoliosis in my back. I'm a bit this way. So for me, left hand low gets everything in a way better position. So you have to figure out what neutral is for your shoulders, what neutral is for your length and go from there and I think the summary like I say is where you are over a mirror puts you for me in a category of Potter hang you should be playing and then after that I'll just say watch this space because I'm working on it
0: there
1: you go Glad next to time that, we come think... over you can show us what you got then Trotty hopefully it's not I think too long can, away uh, it'd
0: be interesting when you get that up and running it would be good to obviously convo on that and uh, maybe do some content for sure definitely Andy, shall I go into these some of these questions? Yeah, get into the followers' questions. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna go. I've got, a, got quite a few here, but I'm gonna go with the ones that I think are gonna be really quick. Powerful. This quick as, fire. Yeah, relatively quick fire if we can. So this cool. one might not be. So Matty Senden, how would someone with not a lot of knowledge know if they are being fit correctly?
2: Because you can overrule it as a player. If it doesn't feel right to you, then chances are it's not going to be right once you leave wherever you are the problem is is that the kingdom facility is fantastic and say the belfry in england nice facility queenwood in england nice facility but you're going to go there and it's not your usual environment that for one changes it so what happens if you either have the day of your life and hit it great on there or the fitter doesn't make you feel comfortable and you hit it terrible? you know what you probably need to go away and come back again you've got to be your own best judge. You've got to be prepared to overrule something. If you're adamant you want the bright orange golf shaft, you probably need to really consider trying to get into that. Now, it might not be the best one for you, and you've got to give the fitter a chance, but they should be able to prove to you from the data they are showing you that the club you have in front of you after you've gone through the fitting is better than what you turned up with. They should be able to do that. The other thing is, Always look for a ball flight. Always look for what a good ball flight is and try and use premium golf balls. If you're not using premium golf balls, even to finish off your fitting, like I would always go through a fitting when I was commercially fitting years and years ago, and I'd finish it off with six or seven good golf balls. And there's a, Taylor May just put a video out with Gareth Bale, the soccer player, getting a fitting. And you can, I'm doing it. And you will realize when you watch it, he, I talk a lot, much like I have in this podcast. I like to talk, but I talk a lot through it. But the point <laughs> is, I'm trying to get the guy having the fitting, bless him, who's a great golfer, to understand that, yeah, there's a camera there, and I appreciate this is a normal scenario, but let's try and feel like it is. Let's hit shots. And I make him have a break, I make him relax, I make him do some stretches, come back into it, we create a shot, and then you go again. And I think you must always try and create shots when you have a fitting rather than just lash golf balls down the range. And be hard on yourself. Be a good judge because you're the one who's going to part with the money to buy that thing. It needs to be right.
0: Absolutely. Love that. Okay, Kevin Preston, how often should you check your fitting or how often should you have a fitting? My game is continually evolving with practice. So his techniques changing? How often should you have a fitting?
2: I think once a season if you can. If money's not an object and you can afford to do it, and you should go in there. Sometimes, like I did a fitting with Michael Glennych off the PGA Tour last week. Went armed with a bunch of stats. We changed not one club. It takes a lot to do that. Yeah. To be, you got to be a good fitter to stand there and say, I think what everything you've got is money. Yeah. And he, we built him a three wood. We changed the three wood, I think. And he left, and uh, he sent me a text and said, like, obviously I had the stats, which goes back to keeping a diary of it all. Yeah. But he said. I think that was probably like one of the best fittings I've had. And I was like, well, sometimes you just need to hear that you're on the right path. Yes. And we were very close to changing some iron shafts, but the gains weren't there. And, you know, that's what you have to look at. Are the gains there? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think for the consumer, they have to keep on top of when products are moving and when products get released. I mean, Tightlist have just bought out a driver. If you're interested in it go try it truth is i think if you have a fitting and it goes up against the TaylorMade, i've not tested it but i would imagine it wouldn't win because i've seen what goes into the tailor ones but obviously every season or every two seasons companies have a time when new products come out and i think you need to try it for your own good and take the information that's out there and make your own decisions but if you've got a good fitter doing it then TaylorMade will always be in the bottom in the last two always
0: Cool, like it. Okay, this is a good one. Mr. Aff, uh, if you already have a full set of clubs, he has a full set of TM M6s, can these still be fitted? The, I, know, I know some other people have asked as well, what are my options if I find out that my existing set don't fit me?
2: They can be. Um, You're getting into a situation where if the shafts need to be extended or cut down, that'll change swing weight. So you need a good club repair guy for that. The other thing is, if you've bought a set of m6s would be deemed as um you know entry level golf clubs 15 to 30 handicap golf clubs they can take you lower if that's a preference that you like but once you have golf clubs that are a cast material like that very difficult to bend them yeah. very difficult to move loft and lies um which is really what you're getting out of a fitting you may need to change your loft you may need to change your lies but you know, understand that something that is very strong like that, sometimes you need to order them. If you're moving more than two degrees either way, you need to order them in a, a different lie angle.
0: Okay, good, 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 good. Um, will MS12 is flex of shaft completely down to swing speed? No,
2: yes and no. Once you're good enough to feel it and know what the feel is and know what you're looking for, then I don't think it is. One, if you're at a stage where you're not hitting the centre of the blade, then you can actually base the flex of golf shaft you play off the speed you return a seven iron club speed. So you know if you're 90 to 100, you're going to be regular. 100 to 110, so 90 to 100 you're going to be stiff. 100 to 110, you're going to get into more the X flex stuff, and then 80 to 90 you're going to be regular. It's a good base mark if you're not returning the club consistently. But I have no issue if you're 110, and you like sit stiff. stiff I'm cool with that. Keep an eye on the spin rates because it's going to spin a little bit more because dynamic loft, you're going to return a little bit more. Spin rates would be ball spinning. And the the general rule for that, if you've got that, it changes with speed. But the more spin you have, you can get away with that if you've got more speed because then it changes descent angle because spin creates a steeper descent. Someone like Tiger Woods, he'll spin his six iron, straight shot, Six thousand five hundred revolutions, maybe a little bit more. If he cuts it, he's getting into the seven thousands. If he draws it, he's getting into the low sixes. But he always wants his descent angle steep, hence why he spins it quite
0: high. Yeah, that's why. Great, Earl Augusta. There we go. That's why he's the best iron player ever. Correct. Potentially. A few other things as well. Okay, Aaron F. Nine nine nine. How often should you change your wedges? And knowing when it's time. Yeah. Okay. So how often should you change? And when should you know?
2: Jason Day plays into them. He he doesn't change all year. He likes to know that they're wearing out when he's playing in August, September, and he's grown to learn to control that, and that's what he likes to do. Rory McIlroy will change once every four weeks, once every three weeks. Dustin will change once every two. Um, These guys are playing a ton of golf. They're practicing hard, I think, for an amateur. You will see the ball will stop doing what you want it to do. It will stop reacting the way you want it to react. And I think that's when you need to change it, when that happens for you. Obviously, that all depends on how many balls do you hit? How often do you practice? How many bunk shots do you hit? Because bunkers will wear it out more. How many full shots do you hit? You will see the ball will not react the way you want it to react. Now, to get spin on a chip shot, a pitch shot, a bunker shot, again, it all comes back to strike. If you're not striking it well, it ain't going to spin anyway. So understand that water on the green water in the rough water on the face that will impact how much it spins all of those things plus do you really want spin if you're playing a golf course going into the winter months in the uk greens are going to be soft mm-hmm. do you really want backspin if the greens are going to be super soft i know that rory when he goes and plays wentworth for the flagship event on the european tour doesn't like new wedges at wentworth no. because they spin too much yeah, yeah. So you know, you, it all depends on course condition too.
0: Put a bit, a bit. One more then, and this is a pretty simple. And this is obviously from a shaft Uh Benny Mo. What is the average driver length on tour? Shaft, not distance. <laughs>
2: uh, Forty-five and three quarters in a USGA ruler, which the housing takes it from the middle of the blade and then it goes all the way to the butt end. That would be standard. We cut between 45 and a half and 45 and three quarters end of grip pretty much every time. And I say end of grip because the butt cap, which is where the grip houses into, it's an eighth on a tall velvet, which is a very popular grip. It's an eighth on a Lampkin uh, cross line, but it can change on some grips and it can go to be sort of over, just over an eighth. But generally to answer it, 45 and a half to 45 and three quarters, USGA ruler. That is critical that you don't just go out and measure it. It's the USGA housing that then comes into the conforming list which is what someone like Bryson will be looking at as he starts to play with game.
0: <laughs> we could have had a whole podcast on that couldn't we but I think that's that's a that's a separate one that well, is but I think that would be a really good discussion I'd like to get your thoughts on that we haven't had that discussion yet actually um, Andy I'm done on that I don't know whether you've got any quick fire. We want to do those we're probably going to struggle for time I think so unless you want to pull one of those out there that might be worth looking at
1: uh, let's have a look let's go three of them quick uh, yeah three of those then so out of the guys that you've worked with then, Trotty, just a quick one. Who's the best ball striker? Out of any of the guys that you've worked with personally?
0: Garcia. Garcia. Yeah, you've said this before, he's, major, he's mega, isn't he? Rory he's also is- major. <laughs> <laughs> Rory's-
2: Magic. Rory's fantastic. Dustin's fantastic, hands down. They're all fantastic. Yeah. But Garcia is it's amazing. It's
1: not Matt it's pretty- Blackie. Not 63rd in the European Tour Order of Merit. 73rd
2: mad. <laughs> uh, definitely not mad Matt Blackie if you'd have said to me who gets the most out of the least talent then <laughs> i have said <that.
1: laughs> I've got I'm just excited that we got him we got him appearance in the podcast that's all um, okay a couple more what's, the, what's your favourite driver Taylor Made driver what's your favourite one
2: I could answer my favourite three-wood is that green Rocket Balls, the white with the green. That was just magic. The fact that you could Ridiculous. hit a Rocket Balls 3 wood 17 yards further than what you were before, and it was true. Was so
0: I tried that. I tried that yeah. at in Hong Kong when we played Fan Ling. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Unbelievable. That's when it was out, wasn't it? It was unbelievable, yeah. that club. But the driver was difficult
2: because... If you take a driver, I I think I like them for different reasons. If you take a driver and you go back to, so I started with uh, 510, 540, 580. That was my deal when I started. All of a sudden, then we've got R7 Quad. I mean, that was amazing. You could stand there and change all these weights in the head. What a great driver. But if you had an R7 Quad today and you compared it to a sim, it would be inferior. But an R7 Quad was so good.
1: And
0: then
2: forward from there and you get into, I think it was super Try. That might have been the first one with the flight control sleeve i mean we were we were stratospheres ahead of anyone else now you've got a driver with movable weights and it's got a, a sleeve on it that i can change i mean you just miles away but again if i had it today and i put it against the sim with a carbon crown and the inertia generator which is the shape on the bike it probably won't be as quick then if you go forward to super fast which was a fixed for some reason, we'd moved away from fixed drivers and we'd got all these sleeves. Then all of a sudden we bring out super fast, and we give it someone like Goosen that likes some very flat lie angle. And you're like, this thing is so good. It's so quick. Him, Shane Lowry, a buddy of mine, they, they couldn't get out of them. They had them like six years later. Like these things are amazing. And to be fair, TaylorMade even said we made an aerodynamic driver here that we didn't think was going to be as good as this. I mean it, that, and so those ones you keep an eye on, and you should really keep heads. But I didn't. M two people loved M two carbon crown contrast. That was another hero. Then you're getting into more stuff today. I personally liked M five a lot. Thought it was a great driver, but you didn't have a need to move the T track and stuff like. I had twist face on it. That was magic. That was a game changing thing again. And then you bring it forward to sim, which. I like the way it sits. I like the lie. I like the sound. So it's very hard. Questions. He doesn't know,
1: basically.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't got a clue. <laughs>
1: You've just listed every t- every TaylorMade driver that I've ever done.
2: <laughs> I think, to be honest with you, if I had to pick one of those ones, I think the players would, that loved it, because they really loved it, would say super fast, because they loved it. And if I had to pick one, I would say R7 quad, because I liked changing the weights. Now you have to bend the hosel on the truck, which is something I used to enjoy doing. And you had to heat the hosel sometimes. Obviously that's becoming a bit of a dying um, trade now, much like grinding wedges is becoming a thing of the past because we've got mill grind that's so good. But for me, R7 quad, I think for the players, they wouldn't play it now because they've all gone, but they probably super fast was something that wasn't meant to be as good as it was, to be honest.
1: There you go. Okay. Okay. Last one then, Trotty. I know you got to go. Um, can you give us three truths that you've learned about golf up to now? Three truths. Truth. This is putting you on the spot to get you thinking here, but what do you know? What have you learned about golf that's true? Three truths. I think the the,
2: the truth is the low point in chipping is everything. That would be, and I've spent, as I've got, I mentioned earlier, I'd stopped playing golf, but as I've come back to playing a lot more, yeah. I. I was in a dark place with chipping, and now I would say I'm pretty much close to being as good as I can be for the amount I play. And I think the low point is everything. So there's truth number one. Um, I think loft on the blade throughout the bag is everything. So that would be truth number two. That comes to driver um, all the way through to your wedges. If the loft isn't where you need it, I had a five wood, for example, and uh, wasn't performing. And years gone by, I'd have started again. I never loved five woods. And years gone by, I'd have given up on it. Instead, I bent the loft off on maybe like a four wood, four and a half woods. Now one of my favorite golf clubs. So loft is everything. And there'll be people out there listening who've got four degree potters and they need one degree. Or they've got a 52 degree wedge that they think is 55. You know, there will be. So loft, everything. And then the third one is that no matter how much you boys put in, still don't think now I'm back playing some golf, you will ever beat me in Black Eagle.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's definitely a lie, so we that's can't have that one.
1: That's the biggest lie I've ever heard in my life.
2: <laughs> and we, me and my mate will take on me and my golf Anytime you
0: fancy it for any amount of cash, you could see that you could see that smile appearing on his face because you just knew there was something, exactly. Coming in, there was something coming in. exactly. So, the gag that we played on you at the beginning, we're now going to put in the bloopers at the end. So, keep watching <laughs> for that. We'll have to uh, we'll put a bleep in there, but uh, yeah. yeah, look, mate, trotty, Chris, whatever we want to call you, you know, thank you so much for your time. You know, we miss not seeing you obviously as much as we normally do throughout the year. Hopefully, we get to do that next year. We've got some. Real good content opportunities in the future. We know that you're actually doing some great content now for our membership platform, which is fantastic. And we really do appreciate that. It's getting some great results. But for anyone who's not heard from you before, very, very surprised now with how well you are doing in the social media world. What should they do? Where should they find you? And what should they do?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously very kind words. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff I've gone on to do is is as a result of seeing the success of you boys. And obviously having you both in my ear saying, hey, you should do this. A little nudge here and there. So I think all credit to you. And I think that a lot of the what you put out genuinely trying to help people. You've done the same with me as well. So I'd press anyone that meets you, which I've been at events with you where people have, if they've got social media questions or they want to know, you both are all for anyone trying it and doing it. Absolutely. And I think credit. And the most successful people do that. So I appreciate it. I can be found at Trotty Golf, um, T-R-O-T-T-I-E Golf. And it's uh, Instagram. I'm, when I'm on tour, very active on there. And to be fair, I mean, COVID, such as a circumstance, taking advantage of it, I've been able to create other content, which recently I've been putting onto YouTube, again, much through the guidance and, and advice of yourselves. And uh, that's also Trotty Golf. There's a lot of stuff in there that helps people as players and as fitters. And I think in answer to someone who asked a question there earlier about fitting and what do they look for, they would benefit for sure from watching, you know, going through the Tour Truck Tuesday playlist I've got on YouTube. It educates you as an individual to take control, to dime one of your phrases, take charge of your own game and take the choices that are out there but own them. And I think that that's what I'm trying to do. And I think I've finally come around to doing this stuff and bringing it from the right place, which is where the content and the value, you get a lot of enjoyment out of creating it yourself, but it also, I think the people understand why you're doing it, but I will say, yes, I've got tailor-made written on the hat and I bleed tailor-made through and through, and it's a fantastic company, but for the right reasons, it's, it's where it is. So try it out. try not to be too tailor-made biased but the truth is i'm a big believer in what they do and uh always will be so um yeah that's where it's at and i appreciate you having us on
0: well you know what you do you do this for the right reason which is to help people which we really like and um we just knew that you was you were not by not doing what you're doing now people are going to be missing out that's for sure so great work and continue to do that appreciate it thanks yes cheers trotty thanks for that mate Thank you so
1: much. Trotty, we'll see you soon.
0: Not bad. Have a nice
1: nice game of golf. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you found some great value in it. And if you did, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Also, let us know your feedback by leaving us a rating or review over on iTunes. And remember, if you want to go deeper and really improve your game, head over to meandmygolf.com and start your free trial and check out one of the many plans that are seeing incredible results. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to speaking to you next week.